Hello beautiful souls and welcome to Active Creative Perspectives. I'm Valerie, your guide on this transformative journey where your unique prism of life unfolds in full spectrum. Your perspective is the key to unlocking boundless possibilities. Get ready to conversations that inspire, inform and activate your full potential. Where creativity becomes a powerful catalyst for change, breaking down barriers and envisioning an unpolarized world that mirrors the full spectrum of society. Today, get ready to delve into the realms of innovation, ethics, AI, human intelligence with our special guest Eugene Fedorchenko. A true trailblazer, Eugene dedicates his expertise to guiding businesses, organizations in the decision-making processes using an ethical human approach infused with innovation of AI. From international justice initiatives to nurturing early-stage startups in cybersecurity, biotechs and ethics, Eugene's journey has been nothing short of impactful. As a valued member of the ethical intelligence expert community, he passionately shares his knowledge and vision surrounding the ethics of AI and advanced technology. Today with Eugene, we're going to delve into the conversation uh, that unveils his mission to infuse more humanity into future-proof business models. Welcome to a conversation that transcends boundaries and sparks inspiration. Today is our episode zero, the first episode of Active Creative Perspectives, where we're going to delve into personal journey and perspective of Eugene's life and the, his view on society. Welcome, Eugene. Thank you for being here today. It's a beautiful summer day in Dundonan Mountains in Melbourne. And today I would like to explore your personal journey are you a spiritual person first of all thanks for having me valerie and uh, uh gratitude to your audience for being with us uh in, indeed we're uh, what's called summer in 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 the deep part of victoria but sometimes it might feel like a little bit of october for european european from european perspective um Am I a spiritual person to some extent? And I think that extent is enough for us to have a meaningful conversation today. So when you delve into your journey of life and where you ended up today, being on your professional path, doing ethics and working in human intelligence, how did you end up here and what led you to choose this path? Well, I guess it started um, in, in the seventh year of my school back in Ukraine when I was thinking about the way uh, people and humanity operate on this planet. And I was always keen to figure out the most optimal model for um everyone being involved and equal and uh have their say and input into how we all live on this planet so back then i um, kind of decided that the best tool or 
methodology to achieve that was to become an international lawyer, specifically in international public law, which has a lot to do with how nations and um, countries and markets deal between each other, um, which which I did. So I eventually ended up being master of international public law, and then I upgraded that to a, uh, advanced level of studies in, in Western Europe, in Switzerland, which already had a look at things like European Union, which, which is a model of um, market and society and movement of uh, humans and, and funds um, and decision making, which is a very exciting part of what I'm um, focused at right now. So I've done that and, and then uh, around 2015, 2016, I realized that um, technology kicks in pretty heavily into lives of um, everyone essentially and uh, by that time I was already practicing law probably ninth or tenth year in my in my professional career and most of it was always having some international element to it whether it was a project involving other jurisdictions or uh, clients from 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 abroad uh, or assets from abroad uh, or law that we needed to understand that should have been applied to this or that case. And there was always some business behind it. So, and business from my perspective and organizations that are running it is all about how humans organize themselves. So probably 80% of what I was doing mostly related to how people and, you know, dealing between themselves, time and rules they apply to processes between themselves so going through what you've said uh that you were drawn from the seventh uh, grade at school you were drawn to explore international laws and being growing up in ukraine which was part of social soviet union you had that background um from your parents that somehow inspired you to go into international law what thing what do you think led to as a being a child in soviet union after soviet union the newly born country uh ukraine put you in a position to look into the international law well honestly i don't think that when i was making when I was when I was making decisions about that pathway, it had something to do with the background of Soviet Union and what uh, what my parents had to face, uh, you know, bef before Soviet Union uh, broke down and then after it. Uh, the way my memory kind of responds to that question, it was just some random day at school where I just realized I, I i need to do something about international relations do it was called it was called international relations back then do you remember that day at school i remember the i remember my uh room where we used to have classes actually it might have been even earlier than that because uh, the, the image i have in front of me was you know we used to have the same room for the first three years of studies and then we started moving across 
different uh, rooms uh, within the school building, which were like maths and physics and literature and th things like that. So I actually remember the, the room that w was uh, relevant to us in the first two years. So, and I just remember, I just remember that I thought about how am I gonna fit into all of this and what is my kind of mission. Um, and I so, thought there's like so many nations and people do you in the world. Remember the age you were at? So that's that's now I'm trying to figure it out because I thought it was around seventh year of school, uh, which doesn't correspond to the image I have in my memory because the image says that was the latest it was. It was actually third year of studies, which might have been nine years old or eight years old, something like that. And so what was happening around you, if you remember, um, it would be early 2000, no? No, it, it should have been around 1996, 1997. Yes. So what was happening around you, your the society, the family um, at that time that would brought up these ideas uh, being uh, seven, eight years old or eight or nine years old that influenced that thinking, that ideas in your head? Uh, great question, actually. I think several points my parents were struggling to fit into this new um chaotic country that was actually trying to figure it out itself and now we are obviously i don't know any person on this planet that haven't heard about ukraine you can imagine ukraine back in the middle of 90s it was a, a kind of state that was trying to find its way in in the international uh, landscape and my parents were coming from this background where my father was a military person in the Soviet Union, pretty advanced in his career. My grandpa was an academic uh, professor, uh, quantum physics specialist, things like that. And then everything just broke apart. Uh, my grandpa left uh, this world in 1994. And that was, by the way, when I was eight. So probably the image I have in my head is later than that year or something. So nine, ten, probably. And, and then everybody were kind of uh, in the society was, uh, you know, f it was it felt apart and then it was trying to find itself back. And the image I have in my head that I see my like room, you know, room class and there is all this. There was a break between lessons and people are running around and trying to sort of talk to each other. So I looked at this like a small model of the world and that people are different and they have different agendas and interests. And then on the background, I understood that my parents were try trying really hard to uh, actually even get me to this school. It was a really high ranked school in the capital of Ukraine, which I'm really gr grateful for. Uh, so I kind of had this on, on the background, my family's trying to find a way in the country that's trying to find its way. And now I have like this outlook of people who are running around like, you know, um, eight, nine years old uh, kids uh, talking to each other, also trying to find their way in, in, in their realm in a way. So basically, if you go back thinking of the international law that you ended up doing, uh, you have a memories uh, of a childhood uh, when you were eight, 10 years old, and the society was struggling to fit in with the new structure because it was the start, basically you said, 86, uh, 96, the U Ukraine started uh, 92. 91. 91, and basically the whole society around you 
was trying to figure out their place in international ar arena because all the previous years they were part of social soviet union and being a kid absorbing everything influencing your thoughts of your parents your school you felt like you want to understand how do you fit in into that international society as well so coming from there to today's um present moment that you are in being in australia in the new place for you uh trying to fit in into the new society new laws uh how do you see that image transferred since you were nine ten <clears throat> well i think the primary phrase that triggers me now is trying to fit in uh first of all i think people like families that we were growing up in back then they they didn't even th think about international arena or something global uh they were put in in the position that they had to um you know shape and and f form their day-to-day -day life in a very uh kind of survival mode um and my actual driver that I can recall wasn't about fitting in. wasn't It was more about zoom out several times and see what can be done on the on the on the you know this um, higher level to kind of fix. Probably that's the word that's more relevant. How can I fix all this uh, inequality and? different and various values uh, you know values and streams of interests and agendas into something that would work for at least most of the people uh so it wasn't about fitting in and ultimately maybe i was trying to fit into many places in my life uh which is uh, i wouldn't say not the case now but it's definitely uh much smaller ratio into you know that comes into my decision making i'm definitely trying to filter out a driver that's called fit in uh and it's a very thin ice in terms of respecting others while not trying to fit in because we're still social beings and we need in a way we need that belonging and collaboration and in interaction so it was probably more about fixing i would say so you were trying to understand how to fix whatever was happening around and the word fix uh, fitting in kind of doesn't resonate with you anymore <clears throat> and by changing the country and moving into australia what was that move about for you i think it's, it's a pretty uh common ground you um i didn't feel that i'm in the right place and i didn't feel that i can uh, could realize my uh like you're saying full potential that's what active creative is about um for for several primary reasons um i thought that all the decisions that were made by society by by the time I, when I was making decision my, on my on my individual path, we're heading in the wrong direction. And I'm not even saying like thousands of years of history. I was saying exactly from this early 90s uh, 
stage where I started thinking about the international landscape and how does Ukraine goes there or society of Ukraine. Um, and I achieved a little bit, I mean, I achieved uh, pretty much above average by, by the time I decided to move to Australia. Uh, I was a reputable professional in my field. I had a relatively comfortable life in a tangible way. And I had friends, I had family, parents there. Uh, but I've had this intrinsic, deep, in intuitive feeling that I don't belong there. And on the external side of things, also in the professional way, uh, I thought uh, corruption, uh, corruption and, and the flaws in the society are too way big for me to fix actually <laughs> I, I thought that's a really big fix <laughs> and i i couldn't fix it from the place where i was back then so i decided i i actually didn't move with intention to stay but i thought i need a break uh what was called professional downshifting so i i took a ticket to the business school in australia there was a separate period how did I come up with specifically that business school and specifically in Australia, but I made that call and ended up here now where I'm actually doing the podcast at the moment. So from being um, nine, 10 years old, aware, aware of uh, what's happening in the society around you and then moving into lawyer practice, working in Ukraine, you still had the fixed idea about changing the society around you um, and the corruption and the, what you saw in Ukraine was not fulfilling you. So you've decided to change your place rather than change the society and the corruption around this place. And you decided to move to Australia. So where are you today still um, comparing to how you're journey evolved from understanding that you still want to fix the corruption around the society the place for yourself in that society yeah the simple answer is yes but uh i think i'm also revising the <laughs> yeah I, I was about to say we have a chicken participating in the podcast as well which is great animals are joining us for the conversation so the, the simple answer is yes but um i'm also revising the the concept of fixing because it's more like imposing whatever you want a situation or circumstances look like or someone's behavior look like uh which is uh probably acting from external rather than uh facilitating uh, internal awareness and, and, you know, and, and journey of change and transformation. So I would like in the ideal scenario, I would like to see pe people all come together and agree on things. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm unique in that. It's more about, you know, it's like in the innovation, uh, as you presented me, it's nothing new, but how do you achieve that? How do you tweak interactions and, um, perceptions in a way that we all look at corruption in in the society and i'm talking about corruption in a broad sense it's not necessarily 
um, you know, fraud or embezzlement that I faced uh, uh, in Ukraine. And also in a professional way, I've seen people um, at courts or in businesses uh, doing, you know, crazy things. It's 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 the way it's the you know examples where things just don't work the way they're supposed to work and we're just going a very long journey to achieve a very simple outcome and you know making things hard for ourselves and for those who are around us and also there is corruption in technology for instance when things just don't work um, so I'm I'm still on that mission on that journey uh, on that route but uh i'm looking at ways how to achieve that without uh intervention or criticism or um kind of uh you know imposing something on anyone so exploring corruption what are the reasons that it always goes through your life that word that you see it around that you see it everywhere currently living in Australia, you still get triggered by corruption. What does it mean for you? Uh, I think it's lack of justice or um, unbiased approach to situations or relationships or each other. Um, It's like in my context, uh, corruption is mostly about ability to have equal level of opportunities or equal play field where all humans can um, grow from their strength, work on their weaknesses and actually collaborate because we all have strengths and weaknesses. And when we are in collaborative, harmonious um, shape, we can cover each other's weaknesses while uh, advancing our strength and advancing collective as such. But corruption is something that just uh, kicks you hard into your weakness and it closes down on um, pathways to grow opportunities from your strengths. And that probably might have been this sort of visionary idea. I'm going to move to a new world country, which is Australia is one of the new world countries for me, because probably there's going to be more opportunity for me to develop on my strength and I'll be I'll I'll build from there so when I started thinking about that and I had this experience in 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 Ukraine I was my first role was helping senior litigation lawyers to go to courts and prove the point for that or this client and it was about proving some hopefully truth that was I worked for my first job was with the US law firm Baker McKenzie is well known in the world and I thought this is the global company that's again coming back to international aspect that know they know what they're doing and they will not kneel in front of the corrupt jurisdiction that like Ukraine they will keep their standards high which actually was the case I was I was I get, got, gained a lot of experience there uh, but then you faced Ukrainian courts, you faced Ukrainian prosecution or uh, executive powers, and you saw that whatever uh, instance of court you're going through, you're still the the result might have been determined uh, irrespective of law or procedural law or the quality of work of lawyers or uh, clients on the matter, and and that w- for me looked like uh, doomed 
inevitable dark future uh, created by fear of the society that's been released from prison of Soviet Union and they just needed to get more and more tangible assets and money to feel safe. It, it's, it comes down to we were in prison, we were like held back, now we're free, but it's a wild west and we need to get more and more of tangible around us to, to make sure that nothing like that's happened to us before in the Soviet Union is, is never going to happen again. But we don't think about the others around us. We're just like securing our own position. So it all comes down to individual realities because we've seen a lot of stories in Ukraine where great smart people would come to certain position in power uh, and, and they would change the very next day. So it created this uh, toxic environment where everyone's were competing for for this position and nobody thought about the bigger picture. Um, and that that's what corruption for me. But now as I'm as I'm here and I've spent almost seven years in Australia, I'm trying to look at, uh, at this concept from the entire ethical perspective, like the set of values of 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 humans, of individuals. And now we are creating all of these technological tools around us that are supporting our lives, whether advanced tech or not advanced tech. Anyway, it, 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 the, the purpose of it, even this podcast is run by the you know, great software that sort of streams, streamlines whatever we're saying and the video stream. Uh, it, it's, it's designed to make our life more efficient, more innovative in a way that there is improvement, continuous improvement of the process and how we're doing things. Uh, but what are we putting into this technology is still us. Uh, and that's a very deep ethical consideration because there is not not much, much a big gap between what I've seen in Ukraine and even what I'm seeing here in Australia and globally and what we're putting into the technology because we're still humans and we're still flawed uh, and we still have strengths. But depending on the, on the drivers that support our decisions to create technologies uh, like artificial intelligence or quantum computing or uh, you know some 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 great equipment that will take us to to space uh, is, is it driven by ego or and flaws and corruption of human being like I've seen in Ukraine or is it driven for the collective purpose I think unfortunately at the moment mostly and I'm not trying to uh, downplay anyone's achievements mostly it's it's we're putting the same old mistakes into a very powerful set of tools in the world. So coming from a background of Ukraine where you saw the ego-driven, power-driven world where corruption was part of society with fear-based uh, scarcity, desire to hold on to material things. Moving into Australia where you found the, there's more opportunity for you to work on the values, on ethics, and now after living in Australia for seven years, you can see how uh, technology could be used in the same manner as you saw in Ukraine, and that drives you to look into the ethics and set of values that surrounds the technology. So what does it mean for you if the set of values are set? Is it something that you can fix? 
Well, uh, amazing way of putting this question. Thanks, Valerie. Uh, I think that that actually, as we go through that podcast, it gives me new answers and insights into how I can treat my uh, past and where I stand now into some hybrid approach to things. Uh, actually, technology is an amazing phenomena. It, it It's neutral by design. So it basically, I mean, the, the purpose of technology is neutral. And then we have human hands and brains uh, sort of input into technology. And that, that that's where we, we change things. So first of all, the ability of humanity to create tech that supports our lives today is amazing. And it's an opportunity for all of us individually and collectively um and then it doesn't it creates this you know sort of great state of things where nobody needs to actually fix anything i mean from from ethical society perspective on their own so we can come together and uh, and agree that we all have strengths and weaknesses uh, and we are all not ideal uh, we may have intentions to grow or not. We design the fundamental platform of tech that will actually fix our, uh, you know, disparities in a more uh, balanced way. So nobody, no, you know, you don't need Eugene or someone else or, you know, politicians or governments to intervene into this process because it's it's like cells in the in the body they are you know uh, going through evolution over a long period of time and they're finding their way in a more organic way so technology creates that ability to for humans to grow in organic way and develop in organic way but it's so fragile at this point in time. If you look into what's happening, for instance, in in, in the European Union on the uh, artificial intelligence regulation, the the discussion is literally about this: about how do we create neutral platform that's so much that's already advanced to the level that it can make decisions on behalf of humans with humans' uh, oversight, which is important element of the ethical AI. Uh, but then nobody can agree on what that ba basic kind of subscription level of the technology looking like. We've heard news recently in the last couple of weeks that Meta, which is, you know, if you look into the history of Facebook, it started like with, let's create a platform that will uh, connect friends and, and colleagues. Now the head of Meta for Europe or the region or even global, I don't remember exactly, but you can check this up on, on all the media. He was like, uh, European Union wants to regulate on the foundational AI models, which is what I'm saying about, like, let's agree on the basics and then we can create all, you know, all these technologies on top, whether open source, closed source, whatever. But we can't even agree on that. So we basically can't agree on the fact that we, we're not capable of living together on this planet with advanced tech, which is very frustrating and it's really disturbing for me. Uh, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm staying positive and, and you know, committed to the mission as a small individual in this world that we are at this brink of historical change where we have, where we have an amazing opportunity. And, and it's not like one year. We have hopefully two, three de decades to, uh, to create an, uh, you know, an, 
environment where nobody has to go and fix things on their own and individually. Uh, and we can actually leverage the power of collective. So in your vision, if there's a ideal way of using AI to build ethics around uh, technology and the worst possible scenario, what's your vision on it? Well, the first analogy that comes to my mind is family. Uh, so, you know, you may have mother and father in family, or there are different shapes and forms of families. Now you may have you, and I'm like not trying to point to any any specific use cases, but it's even if you go into back into history in the Scandinavian societies, they would have this collective responsibility to raise kids, and you know, men and women both, and women as well. Back to the discussion we have these days, like we have so many great examples in the history where. Women would go to war in in in, in Vikings time, uh, and this year they are going to war, and next year uh, men going to war, and there's like still men and women left in the village who are looking after kids, and they have that sort of approach how they raise kids, irrespectively if it's like uh, someone's kid or your own bloodline kid. Uh, so people like we have great examples where people agreed on very foundational and important things. Uh, it's just another one. It's just another one. We just need to agree that the pace and the amount of data we need to handle for our everyday decision-making is just overwhelming. There is just the baseline statistics that we take at least 40,000 decisions every day. And small decisions like, do I wave my hand or uh, do I have a drink while having this podcast? And like small decisions and and, you know, and, and big decisions and fast and slow decision modes uh, uh, as, as uh, already suggested by Daniel Kahneman. Uh, so it, it's really about, can we can we handle it now? Uh, and where does it take us? I think it's, it's uh, more of this rather than so the other. So what would be the vision for you in a good scenario? In a good scenario, we, uh, we all are compassionate about the future of humanity and I don't want to call out names, but out of the big names, I would still think that Elon Musk is very much about this, even though I might not personally agree on the whole mission to Mars thing, because we haven't fixed stuff here and we're going there. I mean, it, it just um, uh, reminds me of a virus. We're going to spread our problem elsewhere. But on the other hand, subject to us agreeing on uh, respectful uh, co-existence uh, and co-creation like, over here. I'm definitely after exploration of, of other places in the universe and, and, and you know, solar system. So if, if we agree that technology is a very powerful amplification of our nature, uh, we need to agree on the, like, if you compare to software subscription on the light version, what does it look like for us? Obviously, we have business interests, we have government uh, frameworks. And that's another question, whether we still need the same shape and form of governments and businesses as, as we run now. But in principle, we, we should have some um, forms of collaboration and organizational designs that would uh, advance uh, human development. So we need to agree on 
foundational ethical principles of how of how technology would be applied and it should shouldn't be ambiguous uh construction of these terms um within courts or or within disputes there it should be non-negotiable that uh artificial intelligence can't uh be used for uh you know to oppress someone or to predict someone's behavior to the benefit of someone's ego or uh unified with robotics or and quantum computing just to uh take off some some nation's sovereignty and the fact that even in the european union which is the beacon of uh human rights and democracy for me personally even though it doesn't mean i really kind of accept and appreciate everything that's happening there even there they've excluded military and defense purposes out of the ai regulation and, and what and the other one is like r and d and we have we still haven't got the, this act formally approved but but that's where it's got heading at the moment as per the date of this this podcast so if we need to agree on the baseline if we uh, don't agree on the ethical standards and we can even apply uh, you know ai to actually have the weighted statistical average what's important for humans on this planet that's a practical way of doing this if anyone uh, on this podcast encountered how uh, nlp models for instance look uh, work like they would go okay let's say 75% of population on this planet agrees on on values like friendship trust transparency uh let's start there we need to have something like some code of conduct for this planet this this is this is what what looks optimistic to me if we agree on that this is a positive scenario because it will give offsprings to greater things derivative from these values but if we if we don't even achieve uh agreement on at least one to three values on this planet i think the this is the second part of your question this is where um the ego and oppression and fear and domination and toxicity will take over this planet obviously it's not going to happen within five years so everyone who's planning their lives based on like i don't know 10 to 20 30 years uh you you'll be fine but overall uh next generations will suffer a lot and um we may end up in in a very bad place and and you know i don't want to go in the scenarios of matrix movie but maybe matrix isn't that bad because it at least has an uh, uh ability to reboot itself while humans sometimes don't reboot themselves to reconsider their values so if we go um into the vision that is leading your purposeful life at the moment on creating the ethics around using technology and you have that vision in your life part of your life where everyone agreed on set of values uh ethics of how technology should be helpful for and supportive of humanity how do you feel going back to that little boy 10 years old in the class trying to fit in into new society uh working through understanding how the international law works how does he feel when he knows that in 30 years the world has agreed on something the set of values the set of laws for international humanity 
world. So you, you're saying about the positive scenario. How yes. does this boy feel? <clears throat> well, obviously he feels great by two points. As I've just said, and thanks to your podcast, I just revealed it that tech doesn't allows me not to fix everything. <laughs> I mean, from psychological perspective. Um, first of all, this boy feels great that he didn't need to fix everything. He uh, contributed the, his part, but there was a bigger picture of collective that was involved. It's like this: all these kids running around my class in, in the first part of the podcast, and I, I don't need to fix and every one of them. We still agree on things overall. And secondly, um, I've, I feel that I feel fulfilled that the, the why behind why I exist in this world has been com- kind of completed or delivered. Um, and yeah, I would just be happy to sit down and observe how my kids grow and enjoy time with my partner, lifetime partner. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Eugene. We just uncovered your perspective on how, in a boy's ways, you can see society at the moment and the future of it. Obviously, we would all like to be in your perfect example where we all agreed on how technology helping, supporting us in growing up, growing our kids and living in this world without leaving it to Mars or someone else um, to dominate us. Thanks, Valerie, and thanks for your time and uh, grateful your audience is, uh, uh, you know, starts joining this podcast as you've uh, done so much great work in the recent two years or so. And uh, I think that uh, there is a very positive kind of wrap up from your end but if we didn't have these different perspectives uh how people look at things and like we have bad cops good cops even the people who would completely be opposite uh, you know uh to my point of view it's still a great motivation to for us for all of us to keep evolving so let's not forget about the joy of the journey itself Thank you so much. So also, if you want to find and talk to Eugene about ethics, humanity, and anything you've just heard that you want to discuss, you can find him on LinkedIn. It's Eugene Fedorchenko, F-E-D-O-R-C-H-E-N-N-K-O. And if there's anything, Eugene, you want to finish up with this podcast. Uh, yeah, just uh, wishing everyone love, uh, prosperity, and uh, you know, open-minded approach to things. This world is not going to be a stable place anytime soon. So I think the most stable place for all of us is uh, uh, respecting each other and being compassionate and appreciating each other's journey, uh, whilst remembering that we are not alone. Uh, it's our choice to be uh, whether to be isolated like someone tried to put us into this place uh, a while ago or we're part of one thank you so much this is active creative perspectives podcast where we bring collective messages to the surfaces and your unique voice is celebrated i'm valerie and i'm looking forward to more conversations